Thank you for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Happy Thanksgiving! One of the best things we can do for our mental health is to be thankful. When we settle into a spirit of unthankfulness, that's when depression, anxiety, and even sickness can set in. Being Thanksgiving week, now is the best time to adjust our attitudes and start on a path of having a thankful heart. God's grace teaches us to say no to unthankfulness. And I think it's especially important in the day in which we live. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is talking about the last days. How many of you believe we're living in the last days? I do. I believe these are the last days. And this is what I know for sure. These are our last days. <laughs> if there's going to be another generation, maybe. I don't think so. All right. But if there is, doesn't matter. These are our last days. This I know, that in the last days, the Bible says, perilous times will come. For men will be. Now, notice it doesn't say because of the devil. It doesn't say because the Antichrist is going to be here. It says the reason we're going to have perilous, dangerous times in the last days is going to be what's going on on the inside of people. Because men will be lovers of themselves. They'll be selfish. They'll be narcissistic. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. Un hold it. Unthankful. The, one of the signs of the last days is that people are going to be unthankful. Do you know when, when, when I think about our society today, the word that comes up in my mind is entitlement. Everybody feels like you des I deserve. Even, you know, you've seen commercials, you deserve it. You're just entitled. Entitlement is the opposite of thankfulness. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, from such people turn away. So there's going to be people that talk about godliness, and they may know certain things, but they're not living those things. And listen, they deny the power of God to move in your life today. They deny the power of God to change a life. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 18, this is going to be our springboard text for today. It says, in everything... Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So God's will for you, for me, is that in everything we give thanks. Now, when I first became a Christian 40 plus years ago, there was an extremely popular Christian book. I got the book. It was talking about thankfulness and praise, and the book said, if you get a divorce, thank God for your divorce. If you get cancer, thank God for cancer. If you have your leg amputated, thank God your leg's amputated. Now listen, God is not the author of cancer. God is not the author of divorce. 
The devil is the author of sickness and disease. The devil is the author of things that destroy families, not God. So we don't thank God for those things, but we can thank God in the midst of those things. No matter what we're going through, we can thank God. You say, why? Well, number one, you're saved. You're forgiven. You're a part of the kingdom of God. You're part of the family of God. And just thank God, you know, that you've got eyes and you can see. Thank God you're not bald like me. You, you can, you know, th thank God for your house. Thank God for your spouse. Thank God you've got clothes. Thank God you've got food. Thank God you have transportation. Thank, begin to thank God that no matter what you're going through, there's things that you and I can be thankful to God for. It doesn't say thank God for everything. It says, but in everything, no matter what we're going through, we can be thankful to God. Now, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is, is uh, risen from the dead. And according to Matthew, this is his last meeting with his disciples. And he said this in the 19th verse. He said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. Other translations say to do all the things I've commanded you. Now, what we have in Western culture is we think that spirituality is about what you know. Right? But spirituality is not about what you know. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. Knowledge does not make you spiritual. Jesus didn't say just make sure they know all the stuff. He said to observe or to do. So what Jesus is saying is we need to do the stuff. Not know the stuff, do the stuff. I remember I was reading a book not very long ago, and the man was talking about when he had become a new Christian. And he said to the person, he says, when do we get to do the stuff? And he says, what stuff are you talking about? The stuff in the Bible. He says, oh, we don't do that stuff. We just learn about it. How many of you know it's not learning about it, it's to do the stuff? And one of the things is in everything, give thanks. Listen. The greatest mental health agent in the universe is Thanksgiving. It's not Prozac. It is Thanksgiving. Right? They tell us at any one time that one-third of Americans are suffering in some degree to depression, under depression. If you want to get rid of depression, start being thankful. Because you cannot be thankful and be depressed at the same time cannot do it. So gratitude has little to do with our circumstances and everything to do with our heart. Jeannie and I lived in Mexico for, for seven years. Two of those years, we, we lived in an Indian village. And uh, usually three, four days every week, I'd be up in a village someplace. Now, there's no road to get to the village. Right? You get there, and literally, uh, the huts are just sticks. Thatched roof, mud floor, one room, no running water, no bathroom, no electricity, and they are thankful, joyful, happy people. Right? They don't have one modern convenience, but they are thankful, 
for what they have. They're joyful and they're happy. Joy is not getting what you want. It is fully appreciating what you have. And so many people have this disease like destination disease. When I, when I get this, when I get there, then I'm going to be happy. Then I'm going to be joyful. Then I'm going to be thankful. But it is not true. Listen, if you have a billion dollars and 10 mansions and you are not thankful and grateful, you're poor. And if you have little and you're thankful, you're rich. It's not a matter of how much stuff you have. Now, as a disciple of Jesus, let me just say this. Thankfulness is an absolute necessity. In Psalms, the, first, the 100th chapter, the fourth verse, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. If you were going to go and see the president before you went in, they would take you aside and they would run through protocol. And they said, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Don't try to touch him unless he reaches out to shake your hand and you have this long to be there. And they'll tell you, this is how you come into his presence. Well, God says to come into his presence. He says that you do it with thanksgiving, with praise, and you are thankful to him. That's just protocol to come into his presence. You know, when Jesus was going to uh, take the five loaves and the two fish and feed the 5,000 people, I think it's interesting. The first thing he did was give thanks. At the last supper, before he breaks the bread, what does he do? He gives thanks. At Lazarus's tomb, before he, he, he speaks and commands Lazarus to Come forth. The first thing he does is he says, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. He is thankful. It is the doorway to the supernatural. Thankfulness is the doorway. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Israelites find out that the enemy, in fact, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the nation of Sair, they're all coming against them. And it's a surprise attack. They're less than 24 hours away. And the king finds out. He gets the people together. They begin to pray and seek God. They get a word from God. And it says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed musicians to play for the Lord, praising his majestic holiness. They were to mount out before the warriors and give thanks to the Lord because his faithfulness, faithful love lasts forever. So here's the strategy. Before the Navy seals, let's put the choir. And let's have the choir go and begin to worship God, begin to be thankful to God, and begin to praise God. And it says, as they broke into joyful song and praise, the Lord launched a surprise attack against the Ammonites, the Moabites, and those from Mount Sair who were invading Judah so that they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites turned on those from Mount Seir, completely destroying them. And once they had finished off the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy each other. Now, I think it's interesting that God showed up and began to move when they began to be thankful. 
when they begin to praise the Lord. Now, in Psalms 136, it, it begins like this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. Now, we just read that, and it's just like, yeah, God's mercy endures forever. Now, in the original, in the Hebrew, the word there is hased, and it's not just mercy. It's actually covenant love, covenant kindness, mercy, good deeds, and loving kindness. So Abraham makes a covenant with God, and the Israelites are walking in that covenant and he says, we need to be thankful to God because of the covenant. Because it's because of the covenant that God does things for us. So he says, give thanks to the Lord for he's good, for his covenant, love, faithfulness, mercy, loving kindness endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods for his covenant love, his good deeds, his mercy, his loving kindness endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. For his covenant love endures forever. And then it begins to talk about what he did. Verse 10, he struck Egypt in their firstborn because his covenant love endures forever. He brought out Israel from among them because his covenant love endures forever. Verse 13, to him who divided the Red Sea in two. Why? Because his covenant love endures forever. Who overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea for his covenant love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness for his covenant love endures forever. You can read the whole chapter. It's just talking about what God has done because of covenant love. But the night that Jesus was betrayed, the Bible says he broke the bread, he took the, the cup, and he said, this is my blood in the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. We need to understand that just like the Israelites had a covenant with God, we have a covenant with God based on Jesus' blood. And just like God moved on their behalf because of the covenant, they were thankful because of the covenant. We, in the same manner, God will move on our behalf when we're thankful, when we remember that we have a covenant with God. In that covenant love that he had with them, he has with us. Jehoshaphat and his people, they remembered. They began to be thankful, and God moved. Paul and Silas are in Philippi. There's a demon-possessed girl, and they cast the evil spirit out of her. Now, and by the way, uh, the Bible is not just placating some ancient, how can we say it, foolishness some ancient religious belief about demons. There really, there is a real devil and there are real demons. And Paul cast out a real spirit. Well, people weren't happy. They end up being arrested. They end up being whipped and beaten. They're put in a dungeon. Their hands and their feet are in stocks. But the Bible says at midnight, as Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, the prisoners heard them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Look it, here's the pattern. It's midnight. I'm sure it's literally 12 o'clock midnight, but I believe symbolically it's like the darkest time. But what they're doing in the darkest time is they're not complaining, 
They're not depressed. They're singing praises and thanking God, and God begins to move. When Jehoshaphat is about to be attacked and defeated, he begins to give thanks to the Lord, and God moves on his behalf. When Jonah is in the fish, Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, he says, I will sacrifice to you the voice of thanksgiving. How many of you know he probably did not feel real thankful at the time in the fish? It was probably a bad time. But the Bible says, Hebrews 13, 15, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Do you know the sacrifice of praise is when it doesn't look good, when you don't feel good. How many know there's times when you feel like praising the Lord and there's times you don't feel like praising the Lord? The sacrifice of praise is when you don't feel like it. I, I think it was Abraham Lincoln that actually began, made, made Thanksgiving a holiday. Now, it's not thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving because sometimes you don't feel like it. In fact, in our society, I would say this, that we are, so, we are so entitled, we seldom feel like it. When Jesus healed 10 lepers, how many came and said thank you? One. I believe if he healed 10 lepers today, it'd take 50 to get one to say thank you. Right? We are living in such an entitled time. But Jonah, in the fish, he begins to be thankful. Paul and Silas, they're in the dungeon, and they begin to be thankful. Jehoshaphat is under attack, and he begins to be thankful, not because their circumstances looked good, but because he's worthy. And the will of God is that we are thankful in every situation. The longer you are unthankful, the longer you will be unhappy. I'm going to say that again. The longer you're unthankful, ungrateful, the longer you will be unhappy. Thankfulness is a prerequisite for happiness. A thankful heart is a happy heart. And unthankfulness, it affects our mind, our attitude, and our behavior. But thankfulness also affects our mind, our attitudes, and our behavior. Uh, Rick Renner, who's been literally coming here for over 35 years, right now a missionary in, in Russia, Greek scholar, has been working on an expanded translation of the New Testament for some time. I've got a few portions of it. And here's how he translates 2 Timothy 3.2. Although they were once thankful and appreciative, people will become void of gratitude and generally unappreciative of everything in the last days. And as a result, impurity will seep into society and cause it to become unholy. How many of you know that's what our society is having happen right now? Impure, ill-mannered, unclean, indecent, coarse, vulgar, offensive, crude, rude, behaving and craving in a way that God would never sanction. But we're living in this entitled society. We're like, I deserve, I should have what they have. I should get a promotion. I should get a raise. I should have a new house. I should have a new car. I should have a Mediterranean vacation. I should have a lake house and a new Harley and perfect health because I am me. You know what you deserve? 
hell. Same thing I deserve. That's what, in ourselves, how many know that's what we deserve? But yet we live in this entitled society. When, when you feel entitled that you deserve this and you deserve that, you lose the art of thankfulness. It becomes totally absent. But thankfulness brings joy. So when you're entitled, no matter what you get, it's never enough. It's never enough. And we need to be thankful, but we need to express our thankfulness. Express it to your spouse. In fact, unthankfulness really destroys marriages. In Proverbs 31, they call that the virtuous woman chapter. And uh, a lot of ladies don't like to read it. But actually, I think that it's more addressing the men. And it's definitely talking about marriage. In Proverbs 31.10, it starts out, and it says, who can find a virtuous wife? Her worth is far above rubies. When God's talking about marriage, he says, the first thing you need to do is be appreciative. Appreciate your spouse. And not just on the inside. It says later on, it says, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and praises her. and says, many women have done well, but you have done better than them all. He said, there may be a lot of great ladies, but there's nobody like you. Honey, you are the absolute best. If we weren't married, I'd ask you to marry me again in a heartbeat. Second best thing that ever happened to me was marrying you. First was getting saved, and the second best was you. You know, it's a grateful heart, right? But when you're not grateful, listen, when you're not grateful, you start looking over defense. You start complaining. Hebrews 13, 15, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The sacrifice of praise is when you don't feel like it. There's some days it's easy, but there's other days it seems hard. We're looking at the wrong things, but we should begin to give the sacrifice of praise. It needs to be ex expressed. Now, some people... All the remembering they do is about everybody who's ever done them wrong and everything that ever went wrong in their life. But we should be thankful to those that have helped us, to those that have blessed us, to those that have mentored us. Again, Rick Renner, in his new translation, translates 2 Thessalonians 2.13 this way. He said, every time we think about you, thanksgiving floods out of our hearts. We are so overwhelmed with thanksgiving that we actually feel obligated to stop whatever we're doing and take a few minutes to express to God how much we appreciate you. You need to put your praise on sometimes and put your thanksgiving on. Um, when Jeannie and I went to Mexico, uh, the first two years that we were there, uh, we had a very, very rough time. And, and I, we, we, uh, I would say that uh, we really kind of failed our first two years. And then we moved to an Indian village, and uh, I began to work with a little Otomi Indian man by the name of Benancio Hernandez. I should have his picture here. But Benancio was about four foot ten, 240. Four foot ten, 240. Second grade education. When we met him, he had started 150 churches. 
Wycliffe Bible translators said that he had won over 250,000 Otomi Indians to the Lord when we met him. And uh, he literally like took me under his arm. And for two years, I was with him almost every single day. He taught me so much, imparted so much to me. And a lot of it was caught and not taught. When we came here, you know, we were thankful for him. And we began, we began supporting him. Uh, he died probably 20 years ago. We still support his widow to this day. Right? Because we're thankful. We're thankful. Paul said, you know, we, we actually, actually, sometimes we just got to stop what we're doing and give thanks. Give thanks because we appreciate what some people have done to help us in our lives. In Romans chapter 1, it says, although they knew God, they didn't glorify him in God, nor were thankful and became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Unthankful people. The Bible says you become futile. You get stupid, worthless thoughts and your heart becomes darkened. In other words, you no longer understand what is light and what's darkness. What's right and what's wrong is connected to our thankful hearts. Now, that was the introduction, so give me three minutes to finish the message. I'm serious. Okay. Uh, Jeremiah the prophet is prophesying, and he says to the people of Israel, for two decades he's prophesying, and he says, turn back to God. Put away the false gods. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. And eventually he said, if you don't, the king of Babylon is going to come. He's going to conquer the city, conquer the nation, destroy the nation, and take you captive. And they just mocked him. And if you look, it seems like Jeremiah is prophesying for decades, and if he has 10 people that are converts, it's a miracle. You'd look at his ministry and think he just blew it. Well, sure enough, the king of Babylon comes. He conquers the nation. He destroys the city. He takes them captive. Psalms 37 is when they arrive in captivity. Psalms 137. It says, Rye the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion. Now, here's what they're doing. They're remembering what it was like back in Israel. They're remembering the prophet, how he told them. And they're saying, you know what? If we had listened to Jeremiah, we wouldn't be here. If we had listened to Jeremiah, our city wouldn't have been taken. Our nation wouldn't have fallen. Our friends wouldn't have died. And we wouldn't be in captivity. Listen, how many of you know every one of us can look back at what could have been, should have been, and might have been? How many of you have made some mistakes? You get it? And you can look. How many of you know hindsight's just 2020? You can look at what you could have done and should have done, and, and you can get depressed and think, here I am because I did the wrong, I made wrong choices, I did the wrong thing, and here I am. Now, when they went into captivity, this is what Jeremiah said to them. He said, when you get there, he said, you build a house. He said, you plant a vineyard. He said, you pray for the peace of that city. Because as that city prospers, you're going to prosper, and I'm going to bless you there, and I'm going to bring you back to your own land. Now, how many know that's a good promise? But instead of focusing on what God promised them to do, to deliver them and to bring them back, they focus on what could have been, should have been, and might have been. They focused on all their mistakes. And what happened? They sit down. 
They hung their harps in the willows. Now, their harp was one of their instruments for worship. What they're basically saying is, we stopped worshiping God, right? Those who carried us away captive asked us a song. Those who plundered us required of us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs to Zion. And they said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? They're saying, because, listen, because we're in bondage, because we're depressed, because we can't praise God. But here's the good news. There is a way out of depression, and it is not Prozac. Isaiah 61 and verse 3. The prophet writes, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Heaviness is an old English word that means depression. You see, you cannot be thankful and be worshiping God and thanking God that you're forgiven, that you're right with God. You can't be thanking God for your family, for your spouse, for your health, that you're not bald like me, that you've got food to eat and clothes to wear and transportation and you've got a job. You cannot be thanking God and be depressed at the same time, right? In fact, it says the garment of praise in exchange for the spirit of depression. You can be depressed and looked at all the bad things that are going on in your life and how you missed it and how it could have been different, or you can look at the promises of God and the goodness of God and the mercy of God, and you can begin to be thankful. And when you and I put on that garment of thanksgiving and praise, the depression begins to leave. You can't do both at the same time. Now, I have an assignment for you. Remember, Jesus said to teach them to do all that I've commanded. So I've got something for you to do this week. Now, just for one week, I want you to do this. I want you to do this today. You write down 20 things that you're thankful for. And then every day this week, take two minutes, three minutes, whatever it takes, and go through your list. Lift your hands and just say, God, I thank you. I thank you for my spouse. I thank you for my job. I thank you for my health. You say, well, I'm not healthy. Thank God you've got good ears. Thank God you've got good eyes. Thank God your feet work. You just begin to thank God 20 things every day for one week because you cannot put on the garment of thanksgiving and keep the spirit of heaviness or depression on your life. When you begin to be thankful to God, the depression is going to begin to leave. And the more thankful you are, right, the happier you're going to be. Because you cannot be happy with an unthankful entitlement attitude. But when we begin to be thankful for what God has done in our life, right, that depression begins to leave and God begins to move on our behalf. Say, I want to thank you for being on the program with me. Do you know the Bible says that we should know that we have everlasting life? Many people simply assume, well, I know about God and I'm right with God. And I hope when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But the Bible says, know that you have. You need to know you're forgiven. Know you're right with God. You say, how can I do that? Because God can't lie. He said, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And if you're away from God today or you don't know where you stand with God, you say, I want to be right with God today. I want to pray this prayer with you. I want to call on the name of the Lord the way the Bible tells us to. And the Bible says, we'll be saved. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer from your heart out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. He is my king. Jesus is my Lord. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. I'm forgiven. I'm right with God. I'm on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, God heard that prayer if you prayed that prayer from your heart, and you are right with God. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep on growing spiritually. I want to send it to you free of charge. Now, There's information on your screen. You can download that book free of charge or you contact us and we will give it to you free of charge. We want to be a blessing to you. Thank you for being with us. God bless you. We love you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is used on and off the air to change lives all around the world. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can either visit walkingbyfaith.tv give, text RESGIVE to 94000 and select Walking by Faith in the menu, or select the giving icon in our app. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching for WBF TV. Also, check out our app in your favorite app store. You can download past sermons, follow along with notes, speak confessions over your life, and so much more. I pray that you start to recognize more things in your life that you can be thankful for. Have a blessed week.